Good morning. Who showed up last week? Good. Even if you did, don't admit it. Jessica Bradley raised her hand just now. Um, let's pray, and then we're going to get started with like one of my favorite chapters of all, of all the chapters. Um, Hebrews 11, let's pray. Lord, there's so much. This is just huge. This is a giant thing for us to take on today. We could stay here for days, weeks. Um, but will you show us exactly what it is you want us to focus on today? I pray that each of us walks out with a truth that maybe um, we didn't quite get, and maybe it's new, and maybe some of these stories are new to us, but some of them we've heard a lot. And so, Father, will you make this fresh? Will you make it new, and will you speak to us right here, right now, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, open your Bibles to Hebrews 11. I'm really proud of y'all for not coming last week, or not admitting it anyway. That's fine. Whatever. Um, yeah, I wasn't here either. I was on yesterday, or yeah, was it yesterday, day before yesterday, I got on an airplane in rain boots and it was 40 degrees and I arrived here and it was 7,000 degrees. <laughs> I was like, this is so many wrong levels of wrong. Guys, this Texas, this place. Um, anyway, so what I meant to say was it's sunny and beautiful. It's a great day to study chapter 11 of Hebrews. It's so pretty outside. Um, so we're going to take a look at chapter 11. Listen, um, I hope you thought, let's, let's make this about me for a minute. I hope you really thought hard about how hard this was for me. Because there was a couple stories and a couple people and a couple things going on in this chapter. Am I right? Um, we went through them in homework. And I hope when you went back, when, when um, Jen had us go back to Genesis and Exodus and Joshua and all those places, I hope that you took some time to read or at least kind of skim um, some of these stories. And, and I, we were talking about it in our small group today. And we were like, so many of them are familiar. You know, the whole Noah thing. I mean, how many people had that on the nursery of their baby room? Which, by the way, that is very weird if you think about it. Do not paint Noah in the... Anyway, it's a strange story to be painting on your baby's walls. But I digress. A lot of these stories are so familiar to us that we just kind of roll through it like no big deal. And I was struck this week um, by the fact that I am, I am guilty of that. And so I pray that today this is fresh. I pray that it's new and that we don't just roll through and go, yeah, 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 check, get the big arc, got it. But rather we look and see what it is that he wants us to understand new and different, okay? Um, so with that said, that's my introduction to the fact that I took a little bit of a different spin. Um, instead of going specifically over each of these stories, we're going to handle this chapter in one big giant chunk. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to talk about it from the perspective of faith. From the perspective of faith. Because truly the theme of this whole chapter is biblical faith. You remember last week we talked about, or that was two weeks ago, when we talked about how faith is not really that big of a challenge for us, is it? Like we can walk in a room and, and flip that little thing on the wall and believe that the lights are going to come on, right? So the idea of faith is, is not foreign to us. In fact, I was on an airplane, and I, thought, I kept thinking about that. Like, guys, I am sitting on an airplane, like up in the sky, and I believe it is not going to fall. That's faith. But this chapter takes us to a different level of faith. It takes us to biblical faith. And, and that's completely different. And so we're going to look at that. So remember this. We went through the first 10 chapters. Can you believe I just said that? You've gone through 10 chapters of Hebrews. That is legit. That is serious. 10 chapters. 10 chapters where we learned 
the, um, the fact that Jesus is supreme and sufficient in all ways, right? And that man is fallible. And that Jesus is a high priest and a king and he's seated at the right hand of God. So 10 chapters, the author of Hebrews is establishing this truth, this foundation. And so then we move into, well, honestly, what happens is he pushes pause before he moves on to chapters 12 and 13. Where chapters 12 and 13, there's like these exhortations. That's our big finale, okay? But chapter 11, he pushes pause for a minute. And he goes, okay, so here's the deal. We've talked about Jesus and we've talked about how he's better. Now I'm going to give you examples of all these living, living by faith folks from the Old Testament that you, like some of us in this room, may be familiar with but need a fresh revisit. And so that's what chapter 11 is. It's really a pause. Um, And so the hall of faith is what it's called sometimes. Sometimes it's called the heroes of faith. Sometimes it's called the honor roll of the saints. I was texting with a friend of mine, um, one of my personal heroes of the faith. And you know what she called it? She said, you know what I call Hebrews 11? Say what? She said, I call it the chapter of champions. I'm like, oh, that you just named the lecture right there. The chapter of champions. That's what this is. It's a chapter of champions of our faith. And so we're going to look at it from that perspective. What is biblical faith? Why is he spending so much time trying to remind us of this? I don't know if you guys notice, but he says the word faith like once or twice in this chapter. A couple times, right? And, and what do we know about repetition in God's word? You pay attention, man. There's, there is a purpose. If he repeats the phrase by faith, He's trying to tell us something. And so we need to listen to that. So today that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at that. So I'm going to start with verses 1 and 2 because that's where we start from the very beginning. We define faith. We define biblical faith. So follow along with me. Verse 1, it goes like this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now we've seen that one needle pointed on pillows, right? Haven't we? couple times. We've seen that one around. Um, I'm going to pause right there, but listen, this is what we have to remember as we approach this seemingly um, simple definition of faith. It's not really that simple, is it? Um, Remember, the background here is that Judaism, which is where these folks are coming from, the audience, right? This is where they've lived for years and years. It's no longer this supernatural system that God created. It's become like kind of this twisted, um, works-focused, legalistic thing where, remember, they think if I do all these things and I say all these things and I do them all the right way, everything's going to be okay. It's like all about self-effort and self-salvation and self-glorification. And God said, no, that is not what it was supposed to be about. It's always been about faith. It's always been about faith. Now, that's a hard concept for them to understand because in their minds... If I do all these things, if I do all these things, things are going to go well for me. And so now, this whole chapter, he's saying, no, guys, time out. That's totally not the thing. It's faith. It's faith. Faith did not originate with the new covenant. Faith went all the way back to these guys, all the way back to creation, right? We learn that starting in verse uh, excuse me, verse 3. He's talking about creation, the beginning of time, and he's making a point that faith, even then was the only way to be saved. So back to, chap- back to verse one, he says it's two parts, right? He says there's assurance of things hoped for, and he says there's conviction of things not seen. Think of it this way. Later in the chapter, we go through all sorts of guys and, and gals. Guys, didn't that cool? He named some chicks. That was good, wasn't it? They were, in, they were part of the champions of faith. He says assurance of things hoped for. You know what, what story I thought about? 
I thought about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, those cool names. And if you watch VeggieTales, what is it? Rack, Shack, and Benny? That's really actually what I think of. I don't really think of their real names. But let me, let me give you something to think about. As you're trying to wrap your brain around that assurance of things hoped for, I want you to think about this for a second. These three guys, these three guys, if you don't know about Daniel, it's in Daniel 3, verses 17 through 18. These three guys did this. They were told to bow down. They were told to Nebuchadnezzar and the big chocolate bunny. I'm getting my theology mixed up. That actually didn't happen. It was gold things. But same premise, right? They were told to bow down and then they didn't. And so what happened? They were going to be sent into the fiery furnace. And we see um, reference to that late in the chapter of Hebrews where he comments about how there were guys that escaped the fiery furnace. But this is what I think is so cool about this idea of assurance of things hoped for. This is maybe one of my very favorite. I get choked up every time I read it. This is what they said. This is what these guys said as they're facing the furnace. They're facing their sure death by fire. Yikes. They say this. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Super cool, right? It's not the best part. They know that God can save them, but this is where it gets amazing. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. These guys face this assurance of things hoped for. They know that God can save them from the fiery furnace, but what do they say? But even if he doesn't, he's still God. Amen. How many of us, mm, how many of us know that God can save us? Know that God can save our sweet loved ones who are in a struggle of a lifetime and can look up and say, but even if he doesn't, he's still God. So see, that simple sentence is is not quite as simple as we first thought, right? So that's the first part of what faith is, of defining faith. The second part is this, it's conviction of things not seen. It's conviction of things not seen. I, again, I make reference to Noah and the great, you know, wall mural for your baby room. but think about this for a minute. We think about Noah. We won't go into all the details and the timing of it. If you have time, go back. Well, you have time. Go back and read about Noah. It's more than you think. Here's the thing that blows my mind, guys. He built a boat on dry land. And he didn't just build a boat. He built a boat for like lots and lots and lots and lots of years. And people walked by him on dry land going, he is crazy, didn't they? But he was convicted of things not seen. You know, not only did it take him forever to build that boat, that, do you remember this? That when he got all his people and his animals and the food and he was like, okay, finally, we're done. Action is going to be taken. God shuts the door. We're all in. How long did he sit on their boat and wait until there was rain? Seven days he sat on a boat in the middle of dry land waiting and waiting and waiting. Conviction of things not seen. So faith is two parts. Biblical faith is two parts. This is not light switch faith, guys. This is big. This is assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things not seen. And like I said before, this faith is not new. It's since the beginning of time. And so that's what our author is making this point from the very beginning. We thought it was all about all the guys that he listed and all the girls that he listed. It's about this first part. It's about what faith is. He goes on in, in, in verse two to say this, for by it, faith, and this is where we get into the people, the hall of fame, the champions, okay? 
for by it the people of old received their commendation. And if we go on to read it, so verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was created from the word of God. And so we begin into this big, long, by faith this, and so this happens. By faith this, and so this happens, right? This big, long verses and verses of beautiful biblical faith unfolding. But here's the deal about verse 2. Here's the deal. This is a pivotal moment. This is a pivotal moment because think about this for a second. Okay, get outside of your, um, you know, evangelical Rock Point Church, Flyer Mound, Texas mind for a minute. Get back into the Hebrews mind for just a hot second, okay? Think about this. If you're saying to me, for, it, for by faith, that's verse 2, for by faith the people of old received their commendation, he's basically turning everything they've believed about all these heroes of their faith up on end. You know why? Because he's saying the only reason, hear me, the only reason this hall of faith, these guys were marked righteous, was because of their faith. Had nothing to do with what they did. Nothing to do with the law. Nothing to do with checking boxes and coming to Sunday school and coming to Bible study. None of that. Nothing to do with that. And so these guys were looking at this going, What? That verse is bigger than you think, verse 2, bigger than you think. He goes on in verse 6 to say this, which also was kind of mind-blowing. Verse 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, please God, for that whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The only way to please God is by faith. Now, it sounds fine to us, doesn't it? But to them, you know, it probably sounded okay to them too, but were they living that way? Were they living like they believed that? Do we live like we believe that? And so as this chapter goes on, we learn some things about biblical faith. And so that's the direction I'm going to go. A little different than maybe what you thought. We're going to go through five different things that we learn about biblical faith in chapter 11. Five different things. One at a time, I'm going to read them out to you. Okay, so number one is this. Biblical faith occurs apart from the law. Biblical faith occurs apart from the law. What do I mean by that? Occurs apart from the law. This this was maybe one of the biggest truths that I came across that I'd never really paid attention to before when I read Hebrews chapter 11. And it was this. Do you realize that when he talks about Abel, remember in the beginning, Cain and Abel? When he talks about Enoch, remember the guy that got taken up, didn't die? Wow, cool, right? And then he talks about Noah, big boat, dry land. He talks about Abraham. We get a lot of Abraham. Think about this for a moment. They all lived before the law was ever given. Did you realize that? The law, remember, was given to Moses on Mount Sinai later on. All these guys lived before the law was ever given. That point would not be lost on the Hebrews that were listening. By faith, these guys did the things they did. They weren't doing what they did because there was some written thing that said, hey, so you need to do this and you need to know what they were doing is they were looking to God and they were focusing completely on faith of what was to come. The second thing about biblical faith apart from the law is this. Now, Moses, remember, he's the dude that got the law, right? He was up on Mount Sinai and he spent lots of time. We got lots of chapters about all the things that God told him that he was to come down and tell the people that were making a mess of things. Do you remember that? Okay. But here's the cool thing. All of these, cha- all of these verses where we start looking at Moses, 
and I can't remember where they began. But anyway, you know, they're in there, so they're in there. Um, All the Moses verses, it's all his faith that was spoken of before he received the law at Mount Sinai. Did you know that? Everything we hear, his parents had faith enough to let him go. He refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter and he, he chose to be with these people that were looked down upon as slaves. He identified with God's persecuted people. He kept Passover and he left Egypt with them. He passed through the Red Sea. All of it happened before the law was given. Now, there, that is not a coincidence. So please notice that. The author of Hebrews purposefully chose all of these great, amazing icons of faith to make the point that they were icons of faith, not icons of obediently following a law. Make note of that. Biblical faith occurs apart from the law. Why does this matter to us? Why do we even care about that? Hebrews, at the time, these folks that he was speaking to were thinking of turning back to that Old Testament Judaism, that Old Covenant, going back to what they knew, right? We know how to do this. We know how to do the things. But this was a powerful blow, man. This was huge to them. How could law-keeping under the Old Covenant be superior to faith in Christ through the New Covenant if no Old Testament saint was ever declared righteous because of law-keeping? Think about that. There are Hebrews sitting here hearing this letter and going, wait, I never thought of that. You know, Noah was the first guy declared righteous and it wasn't because of what he did. What he did was because of his faith. A hundred percent of them were declared righteous because of their faithfulness, not because of what they did. What does it mean to us? It means this, that doing then or now, it doesn't save you, doesn't save you. It doesn't bring you closer to God. Good or bad, what you do does not bring you closer to God. What did we read in verse six? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. What pleases him? I love you. I love you so much. And I want you, and we look at the attendance sheets and we pray over the list and we want you here. But you know what? God doesn't love you more because you're here. What happens when you come here and you study God's word, what happens? You love him more. You get to know him more, but it doesn't change what he feels for you. And so I think a lot of us walk out with burdens, right? A lot of us feel like I don't have my stuff together, so God can't possibly love me. And here it's saying right here that that's not true. I kind of went off there for a minute, sorry. Mm. Good. Doing is evidence of your faith. Doing is not what buys you salvation. Many of us grew up in places, in environments, in churches, in families where we had to earn something. And guys, I've got news for you. If you walk out of here with nothing else, will you please know this, that your salvation is not earned by you. It is not. It's not. Only Jesus, only Jesus is how we earn salvation from the beginning of time. Nothing I do makes me holier than you. I think about a friend of mine, I had a friend, um, she was my college roommate, and I remember um, the day of her wedding, and we were in, I, I still don't actually really know where she stands with God. I would think, I would like to believe that she believes, but you know what she said to me, and this is so funny, it's been like 25 years, she said this to me, I'll never forget it. The day of her wedding, it was pouring rain, and she made a joke and said, hey, Chris, will you pray because he listens to you more than he listens to other people? And it, it made me so sad. 
you know, because here I am like, how do, well, I don't even know what to say to that. But it made me sad. Even the joke made me sad because I thought, is the joke indicative of her heart? Does she feel like that? Does she feel like because I go to Bible study or because I go to church or whatever that, that God hears my prayers and he doesn't hear hers? Is that what she thinks? Like that made me, it made me sad. It also makes me sad when people believe that there are preachers or priests or teachers or bloggers or authors or whatevers that have a closer line to God because that is not true. It's not true. And if you buy into that, come talk to me afterward and show me where it says that. Because what did we learn about our great high priest, right? In the New Testament, who's the only one that's called the great high priest? One. Only Jesus. That's it. And so we get our theology all messed up. And so what does this mean to us? It matters. We may not be following this um, Judaism and this law, but we're following a lot of legalistic rules that have nothing to do with real biblical faith. Amen? Biblical faith occurs apart from the law. The second thing is this. Biblical faith requires bold action. Would you agree? Bold action. If you're a grammar nerd like me, I went through this thing and I skimmed through it and I started looking for all the verbs. I started looking for all those verbs of all these people. And here's what I found. Listen to this. Don't try to write this down because that would be really hilarious if you did. It's actually in your Bible. You have it. So you don't have to write down. These champions of faith that he lists in Hebrews. Listen to this. Just listen to this for a minute, this list. They offered perfect sacrifices. They built stuff like big boats on dry land. They obeyed, they left comfy places to go live in tents. They had babies at really old ages. They fathered generations as an old guy in crazy circumstances. They offered up their son in Genesis 22. Remember, that was Abraham. They blessed sons and great-grandsons. They hid babies, baby hiding. They chose life on the run over royalty. They crossed a sea on dry land. Hang on, time out real quick. Hello, I know we've all seen the movie and stuff, but seriously, let's think about Lake Louisville just for a sec. It's pretty gross. Would you stick your feet in that thing and trust? Would you stick your feet in that thing and believe that I'm going to walk across this boldly believing that there's something greater on the other side? That's what they did. You will never drive over that bridge again the same way, right? They crossed the sea onto dry land. They marched in circles And walls fell down. Really? Crazy stuff. They hid spies in Joshua 2. Verse 10 of Joshua 2 says uh, says this. Oh, excuse me. Verse 10 says this. For we have heard God revealed himself in the land across from the Jordan in unlikely places and saved me and my family. And so that was Rahab. She not only hid spies, but she sacrificed things. She had heard things that like, these were not God's people. And she's like, hey guys, I heard about that whole Louisville Lake thing and I went in, right? That's who she was. So she hid spies in Joshua 2. Conquered kingdoms, enforced justices, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched fires, Rakshak and Benny, escaped the sword, made strong in weakness, and they were mighty warriors. These people were doers, guys. They were doers. And you can see why it would be really easy to get confused on the fact that they did all this stuff and that's why they were righteous. But that's not why they were righteous. Why were they righteous? Two words we heard 24 times. What were they? By faith. That's why they were righteous. 
Biblical faith requires bold action, but you're not righteous because of those bold actions of obedience. Righteousness is because of, because of faithfulness. Remember I said that last week, I can't say it enough times, Jill Briscoe, that quote, she said, when, you, when you're fearful, and we talked about fear and homework this week, when you're fearful, the thing is, when you step out in obedience, courage comes. When, when the waters part, when you step out, courage comes. The third thing about biblical faith is this. Biblical faith isn't a magical cure for suffering, struggles, or even death. Biblical faith is not a magical cure for for suffering, struggles, or even death. That's a bummer, right? I kind of would like to take this one off the list if that's cool. Um, Here's the thing. You're not going to hear prosperity preachers talking about this part of chapter 11. They're not going to really talk about that, are they? Because what they want you to believe, there are false teachers in this world who pick and choose parts of the Bible to tell you, if you believe, then good stuff happens. If you believe, if you believe hard enough, you'll be cured. And if you believe, if you're good enough, Everything's going to be okay. Well, you know what? This chapter right here alone, one chapter, disproves that entire fake piece of information. So if you ever hear anybody that ever speaks anything remotely like that, run. Run from them. It's not about prosperity. Biblical faith isn't a magical cure. You know, we look through this whole list of all these folks, and do you remember? Like, think back for a second. There's a couple different things. We see immediate positive results. That happened by faith, Jericho, the walls fell down. By faith, the Red Sea parted. By faith, Enoch walked steadily with God. And then what happened to him? He was just taken up, like, yeah, we're just, it's time to go. How cool is that? Right? Immediate, positive. The widows got their dead back. In the end of the chapter, we just see one little, little brief sentence about that. And go back and do some research and read about that. But it's amazing. These widows who had lost these people that they loved got them back. In an instant, it was done and it was positive. However, there are negative things that happen with faith too, right? Right alongside the Enochs are the Abel's. Abel, who made this beautiful sacrifice to the Lord and God knew his heart. And what happened to him? First murder in the Bible. Tragic. Abraham had to wait years and years and years. So many things that are hard. Listen, if if you had the joy of getting to the end of this chapter and reading verses 36 through 38, listen to this and talk about hard, difficult, negative things that happen when you're faithful. I'm going to read it out loud to you just to put you in a good mood. Verse 36 says this, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two and they were killed with the sword and they went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, afflicted and mistreated. Verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in the dens and caves of the earth. Not positive things that we want to read about being the faithful. Hard stuff, right? You may not be flogged right now. And you may not be persecuted the way we see it written out here. And you may not be being chased by lions. But I guarantee you there are some figurative lions in this room. Or chasing your loved ones. And you cannot understand how your faith is not saving you from these circumstances, right? Right? 
that's hard. It's so hard. Sometimes we get the Jerichos. Sometimes we get the Red Sea and we're all like, yeah. And then sometimes we just don't. I love how the author of Hebrews doesn't leave out the ugly stuff, does he? Sometimes faithful people don't get to see and experience the results in this life. That is a fact. It is a painful, hard fact. Sometimes people die too soon. Sometimes... You know, I think of my friend Kim, and I know I mention her a lot, but it's really her fault that I'm up here, so I get to say her name all the time. She's the one who invited me to Bible study. Almost 20 years after I accepted Jesus, I started going to Bible study because of my friend Kim. Kim passed away from cancer, and we went through two years of hard stuff. 28-year-old young mama, hard, hard stuff that I kept telling God, hey man, I get a pass because I've like done hard stuff, so I shouldn't have to do this. And I did, and we did, and we did it again. But you know what was crazy was um, a couple days before she passed away, she passed away on Christmas, um, we were in the hospital and we had this big prayer vigil and it was so kumbaya, like we were all the feels. Like we were like, we are gonna heal this chick. It is gonna be so cool, we're gonna be on the news. We have healed her because we are such good prayers. Look at us, right? And you know what happened? He didn't heal her this side of heaven. And it was almost like that day on Christmas when I got the call, it was almost like, I was really mad, but it was almost like I hear, I, I would never, I could, I could never say if I heard the, word, the voice of God. I could never really say that. But what I do know is this. I do know that something that wasn't me spoke into my brain and my heart and said, oh, sister, I healed her. I healed her so good. That wasn't me because I was mad. And I I hear that all the time when I look at this. Sometimes faithful people don't get to see or experience the results in this lifetime. Like my friend Kim. But she did on the other side. Like Like our Abraham. You know, like our Moses. Like all these guys that never actually got to see this promise fulfilled. They were looking forward, weren't they? And never saw it this side of heaven. John 16, 33. We know this one, right? Everybody have this one needle pointed on your pillow? In this world, you will have trouble. What about Mark 8, 34? Deny yourself and take up the cross. Biblical faith isn't a cure. It is not make suffering go away. And we learn that by looking at Hebrews 11. The fourth thing we learn about biblical faith is this. That biblical faith involves God working extraordinary miracles in the lives of ordinary people extraordinary miracles in the lives of ordinary people. That's good news. Anybody in here an ordinary person? You should all be raising your hands, but that's fine. It's fine. It's good news. It is. God does stuff with messed up people, and we are messed up. Bob Goff has a great quote that says he loves the fact that um, God looks at broken people and says, hey, now I just got more pieces to work with. That's who we are. We are broken, right? Listen, Noah was a drunk. Abraham lied. Isaac was a liar. Jacob lived the life of a deceiver. Moses was a murderer. Israelites were ungrateful complainers. Gideon was a doubter. David was an adulterer. Rahab was a prostitute. Mind you, footnote, Rahab was a prostitute. She also ended up being the mother of Boaz. You know who Boaz was? Boaz married Ruth. 
You know who Ruth was? Ruth was the great-grandmother of King David. You know who King David was? The ancestor of our Jesus Christ. God doesn't require us to clean up before we approach him. That is good news. And this champion, this chapter of champions reminds us of that. Real faith comes through real people. And the last thing we learn about biblical faith is this, number five. That biblical faith looks toward salvation. Biblical faith looks toward salvation. I don't know about you guys, but when I read through all of these stories, and that's what they are, right? They're stories. They're really God's story, and we just kind of get to be part of it. But when we read them, it makes me a little, I get a little upset that they didn't get to see the fruition of what they believed, you know? Did you get that way? Did you kind of go, well, God, these guys, they endured some stuff. Verses 39 and 40 say this. And all these, all the guys, all the girls that we just read about, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That was kind of a hard, that was a hard pill for me to swallow initially until I understood it a little better. And maybe I can help you understand it a little better too. Verses 39, and 30, uh, 39 through 40 say this, and write this down because this was like where it all came real for me. They didn't get immediate fulfillment, okay? All these heroes of faith, they didn't get immediate fulfillment. They got ultimate fulfillment. They didn't get immediate fulfillment. They received ultimate fulfillment. Courageous faith, that counted toward salvation, not just a change in circumstances. Remember that. When we're looking at this, remember the little phrase? What was the two-word phrase before every story? By faith. By faith. These guys were courageous in the way they approached their circumstances, and some of it didn't end well. Didn't end well. John MacArthur says it this way. He says, Their salvation was based on what Christ would do, Ours is based on what he has done. Their faith looked forward to promise. Ours looks back at historical fact. Think about it. I'm going to repeat that. Their salvation was based on what Christ would do. The promise of this coming, of this salvation that was to come. Ours is based on what he has done. And their faith looked forward to promise, and ours looks backward at historical fact. We sit in a very interesting position, don't we? We, are, we have a chapter of champions in our own lives, I'm sure. I know I do. I'm sure you do as well. But we sit in this position of being able to look back and seeing how it all plays out. We know who wins, don't we? They, on the other hand, you talk about stepping out into something with trust That's what they were doing. John 20, 29 says this, Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. So don't ever do what Chris did and look at this and go, Oh, those poor guys, they never saw it. Because you know what? God knows. And I promise you this. They received this fulfillment, this ultimate fulfillment, along with believers that we won't even understand. 
Romans 4, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it. I was going to read some of that to you, but you know, Paul even goes there too. Paul knows that when he's talking to people, he has to deal with that and say, hey, Abraham, that guy Abraham that was like the beginning of it all, the forefather of it all, even he was absolutely righteous by faith alone. And so in chapter 4 of Romans, go read it. The new covenant wasn't necessary for them as excuse me, the new covenant was necessary for them just like it was necessary for us. If he would have given them righteousness because of acts they performed, it would have nullified what Jesus came and did. Do you see that? As hard as that is to understand, how does Abraham not um, in eternal salvation and hope before Jesus Christ? Well, he is through Jesus Christ. If he had been saved by his works, the new covenant of Jesus Christ wouldn't make sense. In closing, listen, um, biblical faith is different than secular faith. Biblical faith is different than light switch faith, isn't it? It's heavy. It's got a lot of weight to it. We just read all these instances of the faithful who were looking forward towards something they couldn't see. Um, As I was going through this, I started thinking, I mean, I I was talking um, in our little leader meeting, we were talking about who are your champions of faith? Who are those people that have impacted you in a way? Who are responsible for showing you a life of faith? I have people. It was so easy for me to come up with names. It was like too many people, to be quite honest. But I've got people who show me what it looks like. I did this. I asked some of those folks to complete this sentence for me. And I thought I'd get three or four responses. Well, I got more than that. So we're, I'm going to talk fast so I can get them all in. But listen, here's what I asked him. I said this. I said, I'm not going to give you any, any credit. I'm not going to make it about you because it's not about you. But these are people that I know where they are. I know where they are in their faith. And I know that they are declared righteous only because of their faith, not because of what they do. So don't misunderstand what I'm about to read as a, oh, let's clap for the things they did. No, because the things that they do are because of their faith, not in spite of it, not in in replacement of it. I asked him to, to complete the sentence. I said, if I were to ask you by faith, I blank. And that choice led to blank. And these are the responses that I got, some of the responses that I got. And I wanted to share them with you. And I want you to think, as I'm reading through this, think about your life. I want you to think about who is looking to you to be a champion of their faith. There are people looking to you to be a champion. There are people that know, and I'm not just talking about the little people in your house that you raise up. I'm talking about people that know when you say, I can't go, I got Bible study on Wednesday. They're looking at you now and they're going, what? What is that about? Who is looking to you to be a champion? And who are the people in your life that God has given you a chapter of champions? You have your own Hebrews 11 right there in the palm of your hand. Here's some of mine. By faith, I left my career as a teacher before I'd planned to. And that choice led to spending the most quality time with my dad, not knowing it would be the last two years of his life. By faith, I am choosing to see my husband as God sees him, covered by redeeming blood. That choice has led to a deeper understanding of God's love for us all and a strengthening of my marriage. By faith, I swallowed my pride and I sought help and medication. And that choice 
has led to an ongoing victory over depression and suicidal thoughts. By faith, my friend remains faithful when just this week she lost her one-year-old to brain cancer. But that choice did not lead to a perfect understanding and peace. She's broken and she's struggling, but she continues to trust him minute by minute, and she is showing what true faith looks like to a watching community. By faith, I went back to teaching full-time, and that choice led to my children being taught at a school that is Christ-centered and in turn has fueled their relationship with Jesus. By faith, I chose to love my meth-addicted sister even when I wanted to walk away. That choice has led to selflessness when I wanted to be selfish, reluctant obedience, and vulnerability to pain that I wish I could avoid, but hope that he will reconcile and repair that relationship. By faith, I waited patiently for years to find the husband that God wanted for me. That choice led to God's right match at his right time and a continual daily blessing that I could have never dreamed up. By faith, I trusted with God with my children, and she puts in parentheses, i.e., less helicopter momming and trying, less trying to prevent them from making mistakes and less trying to save them. That choice has led to a greater joy in my parenting and a freedom in loving them and less fear and less anxiety. By faith, I broke ties with a family member against the wishes of the rest of my family. That choice led to two years of pain and brokenness and isolation from the rest of the family and ultimately forgiveness, healing, reconciliation, healthy boundaries, and trust that even the seemingly impossible is possible with God. By faith, I trusted God with my unwed daughter's pregnancy, and that choice led to a wonderful blessing of a precious baby boy to our family and a budding ministry for unwed mothers in my area. By faith, I stepped out of the faith of my parents, and I owned my relationship with God, and I followed through with believer's baptism. That choice led to salvation, fellowship, discipleship, friendship with other believers. By faith, I quit my job when I needed the income desperately. That choice led to saving my marriage and ultimately depending on God for our future and our comfort. By faith, I moved to a city where I knew no one to lead a ministry desperate for leadership. That choice brought genuine friendships, love, and spiritual growth. But it also brought tough pains in ministry and a broken engagement. By faith. I asked for help when it was uncomfortable and humbling, and that choice led to God providing more than I could have ever known I'd need or receive. By faith, my husband and I helped a friend in a desperate situation, and that choice led to our friend's salvation. By faith, we sadly accepted infertility. That choice led to being parents of four children through adoption. By faith, I quit worrying about mine and others' expectations, and that choice led to better listening to the Holy Spirit. By faith, I didn't give up on my marriage when the world told me to, and that choice led to a redeemed marriage. By faith, I made a decision to stand for what's right at work that eventually led to me losing my job, an ongoing lawsuit, 
and the promotion of a person who is responsible for it all. That choice has led to uncertainty in the waiting and a loss of security that I could still have if I had compromised my integrity. I cling to hope in this decision that it will be right for my family, but for now, I'm waiting. And the last one, you might recognize this person. By faith, I left a job at Prestonwood Baptist Church where I had a great opportunity, job security, and resources. And I started meeting with a handful of people in my home with the hope of starting a church one day. And that choice led to Rock Point Church. Biblical faith is bigger than rules. It's bigger than the law. Biblical faith requires bold action when it seems illogical, when it seems painful, and when it seems impossible. Biblical faith is not a magical cure. Suffering comes, death comes, hard things happen. Biblical faith involves God working through ordinary folks. But biblical faith looks forward to salvation. Do you have biblical faith? Or do you just have light switch faith where you just kind of depend on the circumstance to agree with you? Who are the champions? Who are the champions in your world who have shown you who God is? Who are those people that drive you toward being more faithful? And then the hard question is who's looking to you to be their champion? And what are you doing about it? Hebrews chapter 11 is big, but it's about biblical faith and it's about righteousness that every one of us has access to through Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. It's unbelievable. Um, It really is unbelievable to believe that you would ever want us to step out in faith. And some of these things, somebody said in our group this morning, these seem so tiny, these tiny baby steps of obedience. But God, you are quantum And one tiny little step, one tiny little agreement saying, God, I will do whatever you have me do could just lead to unbelievable, amazing things for the kingdom of God. So thank you that you trust us. Thank you that even today, all of us walk out with opportunity to step out in faithful obedience. Lord, I pray that we see the opportunity and we we go for it. May we be champions. And may we love and recognize and see and thank you for those who are ours. In Jesus' name, amen.